1: Hello and welcome to Unbiased Science, where we bring scientific method to the madness. We're your hosts, Dr. Jessica Steyer and Dr. Andrea Love. And this week, you have your, your two OG hosts, no one else. But we're going to be talking about something that we get questions about all the time. We recently did a post on this topic that turned out to be wildly controversial, and people accused us of all kinds of things. So, without further ado, let me share that the topic of the day is toxic mold. And I should be doing, if, you, if you're just listening right now, just know that I'm doing air quotes um, because we're going to get into what this is, was it, what it isn't, what's real, what's not real, because people make all kinds of claims about mold. And just to be clear, you know, there's always mold around, right? Molds have been on earth for millions of years. They get into our homes via open doors and windows and vents and heating and air conditioning systems. Molds in the air outside can be brought indoors on our clothing, shoes, bags, and even our pets. And as Andrea is going to share, you know, there are so many different types of mold. There are actually over 100 different types of mold. So, um, and, and actually just one, one more thing, whenever, I mean, I think I've shared, I'm, I'm always on TikTok and all these other social media platforms, and I am constantly coming across videos, claims that toxic mold is the root cause of a variety of symptoms, um, you know, and this is perpetuated by a lot of folks in the wellness space, uh, as well as naturopaths, chiropractors, functional medicine and doctors. Again, air quotes. Uh, So so let's get into it. Andrea, where should we begin? Um, So
0: maybe we can talk a little bit about kind of how this got popularized. And I think you made a great point where naturopaths and chiropractors and functional medicine, like they really do fit in this kind of wellness world, right? It, It plays on this mentality that evidence-based medicine, science-based medicine is somehow hiding things from people. And that's why they often use this phrase root cause, or they they call actual medicine allopathic medicine to try and suggest that there's an alternative type of medicine that is you know, better. But in reality, these types of practices are, are simply a way to kind of convince people to reject the evidence, right? And so this, this idea of root cause is kind of perpetuated to suggest that science, true science and and healthcare providers are just treating symptoms and they're just slapping band-aids on things and they're not actually trying to understand the the cause and, and pathology of illness and disease. And that's just patently untrue um, so we'll get that out of the way but you know there are a lot of celebrities and this is true with a lot of these kind of pseudoscience diagnoses where they fall prey to this sort of misinformation they have these like generic symptoms they're not feeling that well and then because they have a large platform they kind of you know propagate these these pseudoscience diagnoses and then all these other people are like oh well I have those symptoms maybe that's what I have too and so one of the things things this past year, that got a lot of attention. Um, Tory Spelling, you know, posted about her and her family's spiral of sickness on Instagram, and she she said things like, you, "You just keep getting sick, one infection after the other." She she talked about how her family was, you know, plagued with respiratory infections, extreme allergy like symptoms, and her son's um, skin rashes. and And this post, this one post, um, got fifty four thousand likes on Instagram alone. And she has 1.7 million followers. And of course she attributed all these symptoms and ailments to toxic mold. And so, you know, we kind of got brought into that conversation because I ended up speaking with pop sugar about what's real and what's not. And unfortunately, you know, the, the title of the article was a little bit misleading, but I think overall it had some good information about it, but this is nothing new, right? You know, Jess, you, yeah. you have a couple of other examples. Yeah. There,
1: there are so many celebs who've sort of fallen prey to this misdiagnosis. And honestly, it's not even a misdiagnosis. It's it's not a real diagnosis. I'm sort of getting to the punchline, but this is not a medically recognized disease or medical condition, this toxic mold syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people claim that the actress, Brittany Murphy, uh, she died at the age of 32. A lot of people are, are blaming her death on toxic mold. There have been others, including, I'm just looking at this list. It was a very long list, but um, Megan Fox, Beyond Jagger, Ted Nugent, also our, our friend Michaela Peterson, uh, who's now Michaela Fuller. She's the founder of the Lion Diet. She has blamed mold for a variety of health problems. She also had some very popular Instagram posts. Basically, she's been blaming toxic mold for a variety of, of medical issues that she and her family have been suffering from. Um, and and Andrew, just maybe I just want to set the stage one more thing before we really dig into things here. We just wanted to make clear you know, this is sort of, and I know you have a lot to say about this, but toxic mold is sort of, it falls into this bucket of like chronic Lyme and these other, uh, what adrenal fatigue and leaky gut syndrome, you know, these other med, the pseudoscience terms. We want to recognize that there are people who suffer terribly from chronic issues, chronic symptoms that are very real, right? So we're not saying that you're not dealing with these issues. We're not saying we're lying. We're not trying to delegitimize your suffering. What we're saying is that we understand you're getting frustrated. You know, you've been dealing with these things for so long. And then you start seeking out these alternatives like, you know, functional med, uh, naturopathy, you know, all these other alternatives. And they're slapping on this, these diagnoses, which aren't real. And of course, you're going to feel the sense of relief. Finally, I have answers, right? But what we're trying to do is tell you these are not real things. And unfortunately, actual medical diagnoses are, 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 you know, they're going without being properly diagnosed. And therefore, you're not getting proper treatment. So just want to set the stage for folks who are listening, who are like, you're telling me that I'm lying. No, we're not saying you're lying. All right,
0: Andrea, (laughs) I think, I think, you know, here, you know, it's something that we talk a lot about is that science, medicine, physiology, our ability to diagnose and understand illness and disease is incredibly complex. And there are things that we don't have answers to or don't know or don't understand the full scope of. And so, you know, it can be very frustrating as a person who has symptoms and hasn't gotten a good answer hasn't gotten something that alleviates those symptoms. And also, you know, we have to throw in the challenges of our healthcare infrastructure in finding care. So it can be frustrating and it can be very disheartening. And I totally understand that you know I went for for decades not realizing that I had untreated ADHD for example and I was trying to figure out what was going on and you know this past year I finally got some answers so I get it too um, but it doesn't mean that when you're not getting a concrete answer from science and medicine that you turn to wellness because they're going to exploit your vulnerabilities and they're going to profit and they They're possibly going to do quite a bit of harm. So that's really, I think, the thing we want people to understand.
1: All right. So, Andrew, do you want to maybe set the stage? What is mold, the different types of mold? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, the the TLDR,
0: do you need to worry, be worried about toxic mold exposure or even mold exposure? Really? No. So toxic mold is this wildly exaggerated claim that all these people are suffering with this root cause toxic mold. And sometimes it's also called black mold or black mold syndrome or so on. But mold is really a catch-all term for fungal colonies that are visible. So fungi, um, which are a particular class of organisms, um, which include yeasts and mushrooms and all sorts of other things, they reproduce predominantly by spreading spores. And spores are typically microscopic, but eventually when they start to reproduce, they grab onto surfaces, they start to grow, and as those spores start to grow into colonies, those colonies can become visible. And this manifests as what we recognize as mold. So they are visible fungal spore colonies, essentially. So like miniature mushrooms, maybe? And so molds are formed by hundreds of thousands of different fungal species. And they're literally found everywhere. They're found everywhere you go outside. They're found in almost all indoor environments. And they spread because these spores, um, they're, they're small. They're easily transferred along the air currents. They latch on and they like to grab onto organic materials, um, po- things that are porous, things that are made out of previously living substances. So, so dead tree limbs, um, including, you know, wood in your house, or even things like porous drywall, which are derived from, you know, minerals and things like that. And so in certain environments, molds grow better. So mold. Molds like moisture. They like warmth. And so when you have a convergence of a lot of these factors, you may see more more visible mold growth. So typically in nature, that's going to be pretty much anything. They can grow in leaf litter. They can grow in, you know, tree limb piles. They can grow in your old garden material. They can grow in your compost pile. And in homes, that's going to be things like drywall and floor tiles or ceiling um, panels or wood. And so this is going to happen primarily when you're above 39 um, 39 degrees Fahrenheit. Anything below that's a little bit too cold for mold to grow. And the more humid, really, the better. So, you know, more tropical environments, you're going to see more mold. And so this Common places in the house, you're going to find them in places that trap moisture, bathrooms, kitchens, basements, and places that have poor ventilation. So, you know, yes, mold is a thing, but generally speaking, almost everywhere has mold. You're encountering different mold species all the time, and they're typically, you know, they're not going to pose a health hazard or a health risk. Now, there's another truth behind this in that certain mold species produce toxins. These are called mycotoxins because fungi are considered, um, you know, the study of fungi is mycology. And these mycotoxins can legitimately cause illness at a certain dosage and a certain exposure. But the doses that you would ever encounter in your everyday life of potential mycotoxins are not going to pose a harm to people. Um. And this is true of pretty much every organism, right? Bacteria produce certain toxins. Um, that's why there's this one strain of E. coli that's that's of concern because it produces a shigella toxin that can cause severe illness. There are plants that produce toxins. Many of them are natural insecticides. We've talked a lot about that. So these are kind of evolutionary things for survival. So So mycotoxins, one example would be something like aflatoxin, which is a carcinogen at a certain dose, meaning it can lead to mutation that lead to cancer, and that's produced by certain fungal species in the Aspergillus genus. But again, these, these levels of mycotoxins are not things that you're going to be encountering in your home and certainly not
1: things that, you,
0: that humans are going to be exposed to on- you know, a normal basis. And and
1: Andrea, I'm over here chuckling because what you're saying, which is of course evidence-based, is in just total opposition to everything I'm reading. So I pulled up a Goop article and of course, you know, they start with over 50% of homes have dangerous mold. Like there, there's this overestimation of, you know, of, of, the dangers and the prevalence, like it makes us feel like we're all, you know, sitting in our homes and, and you breathing in these dangerous yeah. toxins. So it's just, and wait, I'll, yeah. I'll read more from that site in just a minute, but keep going. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and that's, and that's the other thing, right. You know,
0: our immune systems are really good at like fending off all of these potential, um, allergens or antigens or things that we encounter in our everyday life. You know, it's, Constantly sampling and being like, oh yeah, I see that every day. Like I don't need to respond to it. And that's the same with like foods we eat. And that's the false premise of those food sensitivity tests. It's really just looking at how often and how likely you have been recently exposed to a thing. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're having a an inappropriate response to it. So with the kind of toxic mold syndrome, there's this bucket of symptoms, and we'll get into those in in a minute. But real potential health symptoms associated with high levels of indoor mold exposure are typically respiratory in in nature. So this is going to happen more commonly with people that have asthma. They already have respiratory issues to begin with. Um, It can also happen to people that have like COPD or other respiratory issues where they're already not getting, you know, ideal levels of oxygen and things like that. Or if you have an allergy to a given substance that a certain mold produces, right Allergies can happen in response to almost every single substance It doesn't mean the substance itself is, in in and of itself harmful, right? Certain people just develop an inappropriate response to what we call an allergen. So these symptoms of high mold exposure are things like watery and itchy eyes. Sometimes you might have some coughing or wheezing or difficulty breathing. Some people do report headaches and migraines or sinus issues often. Those headaches are related to sinus pressure and congestion. And some people can get a dermatitis-like response, particularly if they have skin sensitivity to mold. Allergens, so you might develop rashes. So when you're looking at those sorts of symptoms, again, people are going to um, present like they're having an asthma attack or an allergic reaction. And so if you, um, you know, look at kind of the criteria of that, these are gonna be people who already have some underlying respiratory issues or people that are immunocompromised. And so people that are particularly immunocompromised may develop what we call a hypersensitivity pneumonitis, which basically means that you're having an inflammation, a, an allergic inflammation. Inflammation in your respiratory tract. Now, for these, you want to go to a clinical allergist to get diagnosed um, and, and get treated appropriately. And that could be an inhaler, it could be various um, you know, steroid-based medications and so on. And of course, if you do have a lot of mold in your house, you know, you can get that professionally remediated if you are one of these people who is having respiratory issues as a result.
1: So you're saying, you know, mold can be harmful potentially, but we really owe overstate the potential for it you need to be exposed to a lot of it typically to really see effects people there are certain groups that are maybe more likely to to you know to experience issues like those with asthma and other chronic medical issues right but i think our big gripe with this you know all this mold chatter is that we're first of all grossly overestimating the harms of mold the likelihood of any you know issues as a result of mold we're using scary terms like black mold toxicity and you know we're we're it's just an oversimplification and an over exaggeration of the harms of mold. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And also, and we'll, we'll get into like the symptoms that they, you know, claim are associated with it, which are well beyond these respiratory issues, but it's also important that the prevalence of mold allergies is about 3%. So it's not what these influencers, these wellness folks, these naturopaths, um, and, and, you know, we'll talk more about this later, but They're selling you detoxes and they're selling you fake diagnostics and they're selling you all these things. So, I mean, it's very predatory. So when you kind of parse mold further, then you fall into this, okay, well, it's, it's not the mold. It's the black mold, right? You go in your house and there's the black mold on the the ceiling. And again, Molds are going to have different colors depending on the species of mold. The color has nothing to do with whether the mold is harmful or whether the mold is producing a toxin or whether the mold is going to cause you health issues. Um, so, so black mold is literally just species of molds that are dark. They they're sometimes dark green, they're sometimes black, and there's lots of different species. And typically, um, you know, people are often referring to certain species when they talk about black mold. But again, this is wildly overstated. Um, you know, they're usually talking about a species called um, Stachybotris chartarum, and this grows on a lot of plant material, cellulose-based things, so paper products, wood products, drywall, and so on. And so, um, you know, cellulose is a plant material. it's it, it makes up the walls of plant cells, so it's going to be a component in anything that came from a plant, and that includes fruits and vegetables and, you know, House plants and anything that was derived from them. And so black mold in and of itself is not a, not a toxic thing. Um, it's also important to, to realize that there are a lot of technically black molds that are, um, things that we eat, things that are used to make food products, things that are delicious. And there's actually many molds that are beneficial. So, you know, Penicillium is a mold that that we use to make the antibiotic penicillin. It is a mold that produces chemicals that inhibit the growth of bacteria, and so it's super therapeutic for humans. But in the context of foods, for example, a lot of molds are used to ferment foods or to add flavor and umami, and I love the example of um, koji, which is a black mold, and um, there's three different species that are kind of lumped in there. There are three different aspergents, Species which are all black molds. You have Aspergillus oryzae, Aspergillus sojai, and Aspergillus tamarii. And um, if you recognize the word tamari or soju, that's because these Aspergillus species are actually used to make these types of foods. So soy sauce, sake, soju, which is another fermented alcoholic beverage, amazaki, um, mirin, which is rice wine, miso. And also there's this incredible um, seasoning that we use all the time. It's called shio koji, which is basically um, rice goop. So it's like pulverized rice that's kind of mushy, but it's basically inoculated. So you're growing this rice goop with aspergillus or zy, and it has this Really tangy, pungent flavor, and it's delicious. But anyway, so so rice, um, rice kernels grow or rice grains grow this black mold on them. Um, those are now fermented, and that's what you use to make most of these products that are very prevalent in Asian cuisine. So anyway, the big takeaway here is that black molds are not in and of themselves, harmful. Black mold is is not an appropriate term to, to describe things, molds that are harmful in and of themselves. And of course, um, you know, most molds are completely benign. Many molds are extremely beneficial to us. And, you know, it's, it's, almost never going to be a situation where mold exposure is going to um, cause fatality or mortality or things like that. The only instance would be if someone had like a severe anaphylactic reaction to a particular mold, um, and that would be associated with an allergic response.
1: I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan So I just want, you know, louder for the people in the back. We are not saying if you have mold in your house that you should not remediate it. You, you should, right? Like if, if mold is legitimately detected and we're going to get into what's legitimate and what's not, then yeah, it's a good idea to remediate it. Same for, we have a post and we'll, we'll link to it in our show notes on uh, moldy bread. No, you don't want to eat moldy bread or moldy fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, it's it, here. I'll, I'll read it right now. I'll just just read a quote from it. So when you see mold on our foods, those are colonies of spores, right? Um, individual spores are nearly invisible. They could travel through the air and can contaminate other parts of the loaf. So that's why we say if you see a little mold on bread or on fruit, you know, you don't want to just like cut it away. It's it's likely, right, that the that the spores have, have spread elsewhere. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that this is going to kill us or anything like that, right? There are so many different types of mold, as Andrea has said. Um, but, You can't tell the difference between the different types of mold just by looking at it. Um, and you can, you know, if you consume certain types of mold, it could lead to things like nausea, um, diarrhea or or other symptoms. So no, you know, we're, we're not condoning letting mold grow freely in your home or eating moldy foods. I just want to, to confirm that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Now, now, but it is true that there are foods that are intentionally moldy, right? We talk a lot about, you know, blue cheeses and all of these fermented foods, but, you know, again, the risk of consuming a piece of moldy bread, pretty low, but the mold doesn't belong on the bread, you know, like it would belong on a food that was intentionally inoculated with a specific species of mold. So it's really hard to say, you know, which species got on your
1: bread. Um, So maybe we could start just getting into the claims that people make about, quote unquote, toxic mold. Um, And as Andrea, as you noted, these go well beyond respiratory uh, symptoms. So here, and, and I'm reading this and we can link to this, although that just gives me the ick. Um, this goop, <laughs> a goop article. Yeah. Um, how to identify? I don't think I don't think we want okay. okay. to drive traffic. We're not going to drive traffic. Traffic. Let me let me just read this to you. The article is titled "How to Identify Hidden Mold Toxicity and What to Do About It." It's written by a I believe a functional med person. Oh God, there's so much here, Andrea. You will just die about heavy metals and endocrine disruptors. But okay, let me skip down. Here are some of the common symptoms I see in my quote unquote patients general symptoms insomnia fatigue hair loss weight gain weight loss sweet cravings light sensitivity poor depth perception memory loss intolerance of fragrances and chemicals nosebleeds Also neurologic symptoms, headaches of all types, including ice picks, stabbing headaches, brain fog. This is a big one. Brain fog, numbness, tingling, weakness, tremors, nerve pain, dizziness, musculoskeletal issues, including joint and muscle pain, muscle cramps, general weakness, tics, muscle twitches, psychiatric symptoms, including anxiety, depression, OCD, and quote unquote, short fuse skin rashes and itching, immune system issues, recurrent infections, autoimmunity, asthma and allergies, gastrointestinal issues, nausea, bloating, pain, vomiting, diarrhea, urinary urgency and incontinence. And under hormonal, they have continuous dehydration, so excessive thirst or urination, night sweats and poor temperature regulation.
0: Pretty much... Any symptom you ever experience due to anything is toxic mold. Exactly. Um,
1: Exactly. So again, just to be clear, this is not a medically recognized diagnosis. There's absolutely no evidence that mold is causing any of these symptoms. And again, our concern is that an actual medical issue is going undiagnosed. So yeah. we're, I'm trying to think where makes sense for us to go next. Like, cause there are so many quote unquote diagnostics that are being sold to people tests for toxic mold. What do you think? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I
0: think, I think the first thing is, you know, kind of understanding the red flags. Right. So aside from like, essentially attributing all of these symptoms to this kind of root cause diagnosis. You know, I think it's worth reiterating that there is no evidence whatsoever that this is Thing, right? But these these um, websites, these wellness influencers, they they often use jargon to try and make it sound more credible, right? So they 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 use the word biotoxins to suggest that you know this is something that you're surrounded by, or they use um, you know acronyms that are not medically recognized, like this new one um, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, CIRS, and they're like, well, this is caused by chronic mold exposure and biotoxins, and then of Course, you know, they say, well, you need to detoxify your body. And so it's very challenging and you need functional medicine and it needs to be integrative. So it's a lot of those same red flags that you're going to encounter with these other pseudoscience diagnoses, where they take a nugget of truth, like mold exists, and then they say, Oh, well, well, because mold exists, now you're plagued with all of these ailments that are caused because of mold, which is not not a thing. There's no clinical and reliable. Robust scientific evidence that um, mold exposure is linked to any of these extra symptoms like cognitive decline, fatigue, systemic illness, and so on and so forth. But of course, you know, celebrity attention kind of sensationalizes this, it gives it a platform, It, it kind of gives it credibility where we know that. Notoriety doesn't mean expertise, but unfortunately, that's often picked up by media outlets because celebrities get a lot of clicks, get a lot of attention. And we saw that with, you know, Bella Hadid and her her Lyme disease um, misinformation. And so, you know, it becomes... This confluence of factors, Jess already talked about the psychological component, right? people you know they get they get this reinforcement of, oh, well, I have an answer for my symptoms, and there's this kind of placebo nocebo effect, right They want to believe that the cause is mold, and so you know they're going to perceive that they're getting better when they take this detox or when they get, you know, mold remediated from their house, whether or not that was actually something legitimate. Well,
1: That's such an important point because not only are they receiving a diagnosis, they're also on a silver platter being handled, handed these, again, quote unquote treatments. So you're being told what you have. Oh my gosh, you have such a sense of relief. Oh, and you could do these things. And we're going to talk about what the, what the remedies quote unquote remedies are.
0: If you have actual mold in your home that is causing respiratory issues, you do want professional remediation, right? But broadly speaking, ways to kind of prevent the growth of mold is always uh, addressing leaking water, any kind of pooling water, any extra moisture that's in the house. Improving the ventilation is really important. Keeping the humidity in the house below 50%, that's going to inhibit the growth of mold. They need moisture to grow. Um, so if you do have, if you do live in an environment, that's very humid. You can use dehumidifiers and you also want to like avoid using absorbent surfaces in places where moisture collects. Like you should never have carpet in your bathroom or in your kitchen or anything like that. And, and of course, you know, keeping things dry that can become wet frequently. So any, you know, floor mats, entryway mats, bath mats, so on and so forth. So those are the things that work. (laughs) The things that don't work are, you know, these, these detoxification protocols calls that are often sold by these wellness influencers. Maybe Jess, you want to
1: walk through some of those? Yeah. Yeah. And I just read you one more thing on the Goop site that I think will absolutely enrage <laughs> you because they use, you said it before, they use terms that sound really scientific. So it lend, you know, it seems to lend credibility to what they're saying, but oh my gosh. So just this one thing, mold toxicity has big health consequences because the, because of the kind of toxins molds make as their biological, Byproducts. They fall into two main categories mycotoxins or microbial volatile organic compounds. The fungal MVOCs produced as a mixtures of, now of course these things sound so scary, alcohols, okay. aldehydes, acids, ethers, esters, ketones, terpenes, thiols, and their derivatives. They go on and on and on. And we underlined and underscored mole toxins suppress the immune system, damage and kill cells, cause cancer and birth defects, impair mitochondrial function, and the nervous system. Just any any response to that before I... So, I mean, if you were a person
0: and you came across that, it would sound really terrifying. All of those chemicals that they listed are literally chemicals that our bodies, every living organism makes, produces, metabolizes. Like those are just the different classes of organic chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the same things, the same classes of chemicals that allow your cells to function. They're the same classes of chemicals that give foods their flavors. There's nothing to fear about those alcohols and thiols and sulfides. Those are all the things that you find in any living organism. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, this is this is fear-mongering and spreading misinformation. And I think, just maybe this is a good segue because once these websites kind of scare you, then they sell you on, well, we've got a test exactly. for that.
1: Exactly. So the tests. So, Andrew, you might actually die. Um, There's something called a visual contrast sensitivity test. Do you know what this is? Um, It not only tests for mold toxicity, Andrea, but it also tests for Lyme disease and mercury toxicity, um definitely yep. um, it is used by thousands of patients and clinicians to evaluate neuroinflammations often sparked from mold toxicity. Um Okay. So then there are all, let me guess it's a year. Is it a urine sample so or there, is it a, there are two different tests. So the one big one that's often touted by a lot of people is the, is a urine test, right? Um, these are not FDA approved. Um, these are not validated tests aside from like urinary tract infections
0: and like pre- certain pregnancy hormones. Like you're not, you're not, Diagnosing anything with a urine sample, right? Um, it's not not a thing.
1: There are also these mold detection kits. The CDC has a disclaimer on their website that they do not recommend mold testing. I'll just read it. It's one sentence. The health effects of mold can be different for different people. You cannot rely on sampling and culturing to know whether you or a family member might become sick. No matter what type of mold is present, yes, you need to remove it. Also important to note that sampling for mold can be expensive. There are no set standards for what is and what is not an acceptable quantity of different kinds of mold in a home. The best thing you can do is to just safely remove the mold and work to prevent future mold growth.
0: But, you know, the wellness the wellness industry kind of takes these statements and they're like, oh, well, if you have mold, you got to remove it. So we're going to sell you a test that's going to always detect mold in your house. And then you're going to, of course, be misled into thinking that You have these high levels of mold that you need to buy expensive removal services. That you also now need to get medical treatment, Um, and of course, you know they sell these home mold tests, and then they also sell um, you know the protocols to to cure your symptoms.
1: They also do recommend there are certain blood tests, and of course, they make it seem credible by saying that the labs are available via you know the big like Quest or LabCorp or whatever. is um, but they're claiming that it's cons- so there's this um, high TGF beta 1 um, levels which they're saying are considered to be a mold specific marker which is not TGF
0: beta is uh, a cytokine that is produced by our immune system in, in a whole variety of circumstances it's not diagnostic for for anything right, right? Um, but of course this is this is kind of the tactic right using jargon using things where if someone Looked up TGF beta 1, they would find a bunch of articles about, you know, inflammation, immune system, and so on, and it would sound very scary. Um, A lot of these tests also, um, because they're not credible. They're not validated. They're cross reacting with a lot of harmless things in, in your environment, right. like dust particles or pollen. And so it's going to like report that you have mold, but in reality, um, you don't.
1: Right. So it's a combination of things. Cause some of these tests are absolutely not validated and completely not at all legitimate, but then they'll reference these other, like that blood test, which yeah, that's an actual blood test, but it, it says nothing about quote unquote mold toxicity or mold exposure. Right. Yeah. And there's so many other things listed here. I don't know. Um, melanocyte stimulating hormone, they're saying, is a, some sort of an indicator of mold illness. MBL, mannose binding lectin, C4N, nope. um, MMP9. Nope. Oh, I mean, it nope. goes on and on. These now. are chemicals and um,
0: signaling molecules that are produced by our body so that our cells can communicate with each other in response to countless things. They have nothing to do with detecting mold or diagnosing mold exposure um, to people. And it's, you know, it, it should be criminal that this sort of stuff is, is exploited. right?
1: And then so many, I mean, first of all, these tests, I mean, some of the prices I saw north of like $300, then you have ones that seem like an inexpensive alternative. So they sell you a test, let's just say for like 20 bucks, but then guess what you want additional, you know, additional testing, then they hit you up for another 40 bucks, another 60 bucks. You know, it's just, this really is a money grab, right? It's all predatory yeah. marketing. Um, yeah. And also yep. worth noting, like these at-home kits, like you said, they're not at all specific. There's this high rate of false positives because as you said, they're, they're detecting other things like harmless dust or pollen. And then you think, oh my God, I have mold in my house, you know? And then of course that leads to a set of very expensive remediation um, and also treatment, which I don't know if, should we start going to treatments now or anything else? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. No, I think so. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so this is a
0: common tactic, right? You know, the, the wellness industry, they they give you a name for your symptoms. They give you a test to confirm it. And then they give you the treatment. And, and obviously, they're, they're selling you all of these things. It's completely unregulated. And it's really interesting because, you know, we hear a lot of people who um, fall prey to wellness, um, you know, where they're always demonizing big pharma. And big pharma is not the one that's selling you medication. They're developing the medications, but this is a situation where an individual or a company is like, doing the whole thing. And so clearly, even if there were evidence to support these things, major conflicts of interest. right? But yeah. of course, there's no evidence to support these kind of detoxification protocols. And they're going to vary really widely because a lot of times they're going to be like named after a naturopath that developed them or so on. But they, they often say you need um, chelating agents or things that are going to bind the mold toxins. Um, again, your body, if you actually needed to detox things, um, your body's really good at that. You have organ systems to do that. Um, but they'll sell you these kits that'll have a, a variety of substances like activated charcoal and bentonite and chlorella and pectin and zeolite. And, and of course, you know, they're, they're claiming that all these things are going to bind and chelate all the mold in your body and, and extract it. Um, and I think aside from the, the fact that there's no evidence to support these things, Um, bentonite clay and a lot of these other things are actually potentially super harmful. Like bentonite clay in particular can cause intestinal obstructions. It can impact how you absorb nutrients because it is a binding agent, right? It's going to absorb minerals and nutrients that your body needs, and it's going to be essentially excreted from your body. Um, And and because these things are not regulated, clays are minerals, right? And so they can actually have things like heavy metals in them at high levels because the wellness industry is not regulated for these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. There have been several warnings issued by the FDA four bentonite clay supplements, um, that had extremely high levels of lead in them mm-hmm. as an
1: example. Mm-hmm. So there are these quote unquote dietary protocols, these supplements that Andrea is saying, these Detoxes, there are teas and tinctures and powders. There's also this big emphasis on sweating. Um, so they'll often recommend going to you know saunas to to sweat out the toxins, also lymphatic drainage techniques. I think, Andrea, did you want to say anything about why lymphatic drain? I thought you had something to say about lymphatic. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, we 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 obviously talked about that in our TikTok health hack episode, but um but lymphatic massage aside from I'm having legitimate, like post operative edema, where you have fluid buildup and you can kind of alleviate some of that. Um, lymphatic massage and lymphatic drainage is, is really not a thing. Your lymphatic system is constantly working and filtering fluid and doing its job, and, you know, rubbing your body in certain ways isn't going to improve the circulation of the lymphatic system. Another thing that I think is commonly misunderstood is that sweating is for temperature Regulation. So, you have sweat glands all over your body. Um, you secrete water from your body when you're overheated. That water evaporates on your skin and it and it cools you, you're not sweating out toxins. And so, you know, oftentimes they'll cite studies or papers that detect these tiny residual levels of certain ions or metals or things like that as an indication that, oh, well, these were detected in sweat, therefore they are sweating out toxins. And I think it's really important to understand that, you know, those substances are found in your body at all times just because a tiny amount of it is found in sweat material. That's not the Purpose of sweating. You're not sweating out toxins in any measurable level. Um, So you're not, you know, expediting or um, accelerating toxin removal through you know, the lymphatic massage or the sweating and and certainly not through these, these diets or these, these supplement protocols. And, and as I mentioned, many of these can be um, very harmful.
1: Right. So I think just like a summary of everything is that no toxic mold syndrome is not a thing. However, we're not saying that mold exposure, um, you know, can't trigger certain health problems, but this is very rare and tends to be more common for specific individuals, especially those with allergies or weak into Immune systems, um, and really, those symptoms are going to manifest as coughing, wheezing, you know, breathing problems, and not these other things like these very generalized symptoms that are completely that there's no biologically plausible way that the mold would be causing things like I'm trying to. What are these ridiculous, you know, ticks or fatigue, you know, all these other things, right? Depression and yeah. The takeaway, you know.
0: Inhalation of mold can lead to respiratory issues. It's not causing these systemic, you know, vague, generic medical issues that almost everyone probably experiences one of those symptoms at any point and so it's really easy to attribute it this to this you know very nebulous medical condition but but there's no actual evidence to support it
1: right and so again if there is you know mold in your house you want to remediate it for those reasons and also mold can cause structural damage to your home right it could eat away at organic materials like wood um insulation drywall it could weaken the structure of your home um, which can be expensive So obviously remediate if mold is detected, but don't fall prey to these completely invalidated, uh, you know, tests uh, and then be wary of someone who's not only, you know, telling you that you have toxic mold, but then offering up these completely evidence-baseless <laughs> cures and detoxes and, and lymphatic drainage techniques and things like that. There's just no evidence to support them. <laughs> All right, Andrea, do you want to take us home?
0: Sure. So thanks for tuning in today. We hope you learn a thing or two. And if you want to support our efforts to help debunk misinformation and demystify science, please consider supporting us. You can send us a donation on our website. You can sign up for our Substack. Or you can even pick yourself up some merch to rep the pod. Our website is www.unbiassipod.com and our Substack is theunbiassipod.substack.com. And make sure to subscribe to all of our social channels, including our YouTube. Our handle is at unbiassipod across all channels. Catch you next time on The Pod, your trusted source for no nonsense, just science.